The first Republican presidential debate is in Milwaukee tonight. Eight candidates, including former Vice President Mike Pence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy will be on the debate stage. Donald Trump will not be there. The former president said he'll post a pre-recorded interview with former Fox host Tucker Carlson. Some of Donald Trump's co-defendants in the election interference case in Georgia began turning themselves in today, while others tried to get the sprawling criminal case moved out of state court and into federal court. Jeffrey Clark, a former department or Justice Department official, and David Schaefer, the former head of the Georgia Republican Party, each filed motions on Tuesday asking to have the case moved to federal court, just as Mark Meadows, the former White House Chief, Chief of Staff, did last week. Those motions lay the groundwork for what will be the first major legal fight in the case, which was filed in Superior Court in Atlanta last week. An employee of former President Donald Trump changed his grand jury testimony in the documents case after the Justice Department raised questions about whether his lawyer had a conflict of interest in representing both the employee and a defendant in the case. Nearly 150 Americans, including lots of us on this show, were under heat alerts Tuesday after July marked the planet's hottest month on record. Devastating downpours dumped two months of rain on Vermont in just two days. Smoke from Canadian wildfires choked East Coast skies, causing the worst air quality on record for many areas. Yet, while there is wide public concern over extreme weather, Americans are deeply divided along partisan lines on whether climate change is helping to drive these events. And newcomer Vivek Ramaswamy is taking flack ahead of the debates tonight. His opponents are increasingly calling him out for inconsistencies in his comments on topics such as masking during the pandemic and when he first voted in an election. They're also calling him out for his polarizing arguments about potentially phasing out U.S. financial aid to Israel after 2028 and for ideas he has floated about the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks that have been embraced by conspiracy theorists. The 15-month-old gang case against Young Thug, which, like the Trump case, is being prosecuted by Fannie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, offers glimpses of how the state of Georgia versus Donald John Trump may unfold with a plodding pace, an avalanche of pretrial defense motions, extraordinary security measures, pressure on lower level defendants to plead guilty, and a fracturing into separate trials. Now, this is only a few of the obstacles facing Fonnie Willis in her sprawling indictment against Donald Trump and 18 co-defendants. The American Alliance for Equal Rights, the group which led the campaign against affirmative action in college admissions, filed lawsuits yesterday against two of the nation's largest law firms, alleging that the law firm's diversity fellowships excluded applicants based on their race. The group demanded that the programs and similar programs and other law firms be shut down immediately. Well, in the next few weeks, college students will be flowing back onto campuses and the data show there will be a lot more women than men in lecture halls. 
That continues a trend that analysts have been seeing for years now, and it's reshaping the country and its politics. On the most basic level, the number and percentage of Americans with at least bachelor's degrees has been rising steady, climbing nearly 30 points in the last 50 years. And this is good news for Democrats, as college students, or women in particular with college degrees, tend to vote more Democratic. South Carolina Supreme Court upheld the state's near-total ban on abortion by a four-to-one vote today, reversing a decision it had made in January that struck down a similar ban and declared that the state constitution's protections for privacy included a right to abortion. The decision in January was written by the court's only female justice. She retired, and South Carolina now has the nation's only all-male high court. You are listening and watching Ariva Martin in real time, and I am your host, Ariva Martin. This is your one-stop destination for today's trending news, expert analysis, and my unfiltered opinions. This is hour two of Ariva Martin in real time, and this is the hour where we go deep, we dig behind the headlines on some of the biggest stories. Now, some of these stories make big headlines and others make big impact. Today, the biggest story in the news is the GOP presidential debate that is happening tonight uh, right on Fox News. You'll be able to watch eight of the candidates running for president on the GOP ticket go at it and attempt to share a vision for America that resonates with Republican voters. Now, you will note if you turn in for tonight's debate or you go on social media to watch the debates, there will be a very obvious absence on that stage. And that's because Donald Trump, the leading candidate for the GOP nomination, decided that he didn't want to show up at the debate, that he is so far ahead of the other candidates that there would be no purpose, no no benefit for him appearing at the debate. Now, News Out Today also says Donald Trump is trying to send a message to Rupert Murdoch and the owners of Fox News. Apparently, he feels like the Murdochs have disrespected him, that they've allowed other candidates, particularly Ron DeSantis, to have too much airtime on Fox News and that they have tried to you know, support and uh, uplift DeSantis's campaign as a way of telling viewers he is an alternative to Donald Trump. So being Donald Trump, he's going to retaliate and try to punish Fox News. He says, look, if I'm not on that debate stage, I can guarantee you, Fox, that you will lose millions and millions of my voters, i.e. your viewers. Uh, we're going to talk about the debates tonight, who made the stage, who didn't, what Donald Trump's absence will mean for the other candidates. What should we look for? What kinds of exaggerations, misinformation, and even disinformation might be articulated on that stage? And who is likely to emerge as a winner, uh, winner meaning someone that could unseat Donald Trump in his leading position on the GOP ticket? And we're also going to talk about Donald Trump's indictments and tomorrow him turning himself into that Fulton County jail. Is the news and the visual and the coverage of that going to overshadow anything that Donald, uh, that the eight 
candidates on the debate stage will say tonight. I have two veteran uh, political strategists that uh, have been working in politics for decades, that have worked across the aisles, that uh, have a really good grasp of what's going to happen tonight at the debates and what it means for the 2024 election, both as it relates to Republicans and Democrats. This is one show you don't want to miss because you're going to get all the cheat notes on how to watch the debate and how to analyze the candidates when we come forward right here on KBLA Talk 1580. The top contenders in the Republican presidential primary, minus the most important one to some, are facing off tonight in the first debate of the 2024 race. The debate will provide the candidates, many who are relatively unknown to voters, an opportunity to refine their message and to test their attacks on rivals, hoping to deliver a stinger to stand out in a crowded field. Now, those statements may include exaggerations or outright misinformation about a host of subjects like inflation, immigration, foreign policy, and, of course, cultural issues. The candidates' stump speeches and previous statements offer a glimpse of what the debate audience might hear tonight. Here to help us understand how to watch and break down those debates are, or the debate tonight, is Robert Shrum. He is the Carmen H. and Lewis Warshaw Chair in Practical Politics at USC, and Richard Green, who is a veteran Democratic strategist and he is a uh, messaging expert. He's an expert on political messages, uh, communications. Thank you, Robert and Richard. Can't think of uh, two more experienced strategists, political commentators to have on tonight uh, than the two of you. So let's start, Bob, Robert. What impact is it going to have on this debate stage uh, without Donald Trump, the front runner in the GOP, uh, you know, run up to president? Well, Trump decided that there was no profit for him in showing up. Uh, I don't think he wanted to face Chris Christie. Chris Christie is has very high negative ratings among Republicans, but he was going to go straight at Donald Trump, and I don't think Trump wants to deal with that. Uh, you know, it's a it's a little dangerous. This has been done before. Uh, Ronald Reagan skipped the first debate in Iowa in uh, 1980 and lost the caucuses. Uh, uh, George Bush skipped the first debate in New Hampshire, uh, was 30 points ahead of John McCain, ended up losing the state badly, but of course both ended up as the nominee. And that's Trump's calculus, that he's so far ahead that somehow or other he's going to hold on to all those people. I'm not sure he's right, and we're going to have to see this play out. Somebody could have a breakthrough moment on the stage tonight. Uh, specifically, for example, uh, Ron DeSantis needs a non-breakdown moment. I mean, this can, his campaign started out, you know, everybody thought it was the formidable challenge to Trump. Uh, he's shaken up the campaign. He's fired his campaign manager. The problem is he can't fire the candidate. Uh, and people are going to watch very closely to see whether he's human, authentic, uh, strong, but at the same time relatable. Uh, as a human being. I mean, it, it, so I think it's a critical moment for him. For everybody else uh, who thinks they have a realistic chance of, of being the nominee, they should have spent some time planning what their breakthrough moments or breakthrough comments were going to be. Uh, 
you know, Tim Scott has an appealing life story. I don't happen to agree with him on most issues, but he has an appealing life story. But so far, none of that is punched through. And so tonight, I think people are going to watch to see if something does punch through. Uh, and the other thing that's kind of a sideshow, because I do not think he will be the Republican nominee, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Vivek Ramaswamy holds up uh, in this kind of format where people can actually challenge him. I mean, his comments, he comments the other day about 9-11, you know, Chris Christie's wife was working right next to the World Trade Center. And Cantor Fitzgerald, where all the folks were killed, were a big client of her firm's. And she was evacuated on a ferry across the Hudson River. If I were uh, Ramaswamy, I would not want to engage with Chris Christie on that issue. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, Richard, I think without Trump being there, Chris Christie needs someone to go after and based on that leaked memo from the DeSantis's campaign where they told DeSantis to defend Donald Trump and Chris Christie came out with this statement saying, look, if your only role in this you know, campaign is to defend someone running against you, why don't you just drop out and endorse <clears throat> the guy that you're supporting? So I'm predicting, Richard, that Chris Christie goes hard after Ron DeSantis for being a Trump supporter uh and trying to be you know a, a trump clone what's what's your estimation you know what are you thinking about what DeSantis and christie you know what might they get into on that debate stage well first of all i have to say i absolutely love your hair um <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> it's awesome and and secondly it's a real honor to be on a show with bob trump bob is an icon just an icon and you look great, Bob. Would love to talk. And I totally agree with you, I think, on pretty much everything. I think Chris Christie is the bull in the China shop that the Republican Party needs, even though they don't think they need him. And I think he's incredibly smart. He's very relatable. We have to remember, Chris Christie was elected governor in a blue state, right? This guy has a lot of appeal if he can get out of a primary, which, of course, he won't. Um, the thing I think that has got to be in everybody's mind here as they watch this debate is this is not, unless Donald Trump, unless something dramatic happens to him, he is so far ahead. His people have seen the worst of Donald Trump and they are still with him. I can't imagine what even the PP tape from Russia, I can't imagine what could come out that could dislodge some of their of his big supporters. But I think the real game tonight and why you're going to see only Chris Christie, basically, and maybe Asa Hutchinson, you know, going after Donald Trump is that the real strategy for these guys to be the thing they desperately want to be, which is president of the United States, is to get on the ticket especially with a guy who's getting close to 80 years old himself and a guy who could end up being convicted, could have the Supreme Court say that the 14th Amendment doesn't allow him to serve, right? There's a lot of upside to being Donald Trump's running mate. And the only way you get to be that is to kiss his butt. And we're going to see a lot of that today. And also, I agree with Bob. I think Vivek Ramaswamy is actually, as a communication strategist, this guy is slick and smooth 
and refreshing and impressive. I mean, he was, you know, valedictorian. He was a competitive tennis player and went to Yale. I mean, this, this guy's got everything except morals and ethics and common sense. I was going to say, he's a slick talker, but everything he says contradicts everything he's ever said before, like he came out acknowledging and celebrating Juneteenth. And then, you know, 30 days later said Juneteenth was an unnecessary holiday that should be eliminated. I mean, the list goes on and on about all. He's a slicker. He's a slicker George Santos. He's a liar. (laughs) Let's just call him what he is. Bob, how do you thread the needle? Obviously, as Richard just said, these Candidates, eight candidates want to get on the ticket. And to get through that Republican primary, you've got to go through those MAGA voters. Love them or hate them. Listless vessels as they are, right? You've got to appeal to them. But how can you sell yourself as a candidate if you're spending all your time saying the other guy, i.e. Donald Trump, is the best thing since sliced bread? How are they going to thread that needle of supporting him without looking like without diminishing their own value and worth, you know, as someone that should be the president. But first, I want to thank Richard for his kind comment about me. And I want to say that I didn't comment on your appearance because I know we're on the radio, but I entirely agree with what he said. We're actually on camera too, Bob. Oh, is that right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I would have said it if I'd known it. Uh, Look, I don't, I don't think that this will come in the form of people tooting the horn constantly for Donald Trump. I think that will happen, but more likely and more often, it will be attacking Joe Biden, attacking the so-called weaponization of the Justice Department, uh, telling the untruth that Joe Biden was the instigator of the investigations that led to Trump's indictments, uh, including ones from independent district attorneys in Atlanta and New York. Uh, So I think that if you're going to try to thread the needle, you do it by going more after Biden, which you can see already in their stump speeches, than you do. But you say, look, you know, we had great prosperity under Trump, which is actually not true. We have better we have better numbers under Biden. But you have great prosperity under Trump. COVID came along. you know, he made us respected in the world, which is also not true. And then you pivot. He wants to fire. I think it's two thirds of the people in the FBI. Yeah. Well, many of these candidates, Richard, want to eliminate the FBI. They want to eliminate the Department of Justice. They want to eliminate the Education Department, the uh, Energy Department. They want to, you know, really shrink government to nothing. Even, you know, this you eliminate the Education Department. How do you distribute money that, you know, is assigned to, to education in this country? But let's talk about... You know what? Can, I, you, can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, go ahead. They, they, they don't want the federal government distributing money for education. That's true. That's except to those private religious schools that they support. <laughs> they want money for those schools, but not federal money. It's you know it took Democrats and and Kennedy and Johnson had to fight very very hard to get federal aid to education through. It used to be a very controversial subject, and for a lot of these folks like Ron DeSantis, uh, 
it's still a bad idea. This should all be done locally. Okay, good point. And we'll get to hear what some of their policy positions are. Obviously, Richard, even though Trump is not going to be on that stage, the big lie will be on that stage because the big lie is what all of these indictments are about, at least, you know, two of the major indictments, Jack Smith in New York and Fannie Willis in Fulton County. Some of these candidates still have not acknowledged that the big lie is itself a big lie. What do you expect to hear tonight about the 2020 election? Was it rigged? Was the election stolen? Is Joe Biden a legitimate president? Where do you think they come down on that question? So I, I want to refer to my last comment. I, I really think that the only strategy that all of these people, except for Ace Hutchinson and Chris Christie, are going to be pursuing is to be attractive to the king. And that is to mirror and puppet every single thing Donald Trump believes. So Donald Trump apparently still believes, although he doesn't, that the election, the 2020 election was stolen. It was a fraud and it's all a witch hunt. They're going to be saying all of those things and they're going to try to say it in a way that makes them look even more supportive of Donald Trump than the other people. Because, I mean, I, I wrote an article about this in 2016. Donald Trump's problems can all be traced to the fact that he has a serious, unrecoverable case of narcissistic personality disorder. He will never change. He needs the validation. And the more validation you give him, the more he loves you. And the more he loves you, the more likely he's going to be to putting you in his cabinet or on the ticket as, as a VP. And I agree with Bob. Republicans in general do not want federal governments to do anything. And that's a big difference between Democrats and Republicans. I just wish more people knew that. Yeah, when we come forward, we talk a lot about the issues. Obviously, there, there has to be questions beyond Donald Trump and his legal problems. And one of the big issues that I think a lot of women who are going to tune in tonight are going to be looking for is the issue of abortion and how these candidates, you know, what do they have to say? Some have flip-flopped uh, in terms of their position on a federal ban on abortions, uh, on abortions, even when there's rape and incest. Uh, when we come forward, we want to talk about some of the hot button issues, abortion being one of them, obviously the economy, uh, foreign policy. What are these eight candidates that are vying for president going to say on these hot button issues. Stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. The Republican debates are underway. If you are in front of a television or in front of your smart device, you can tune in and check out the eight candidates vying to become the GOP nominee for president and to run against Joe Biden in 2024. I am here in this hour with veteran strategist, political strategist Robert Trump and Democratic strategist Richard Green. We are trying to give you a roadmap for what to watch for tonight. Uh, Bob, let me ask you this. Abortion, big issue. These candidates uh, have to pretty much stake out a position where they support the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They support, I would imagine many of them will say they report they support a federal ban on abortion, even though we know that this issue does not poll well amongst uh, general election voters. So what are you going to be looking for from these candidates as they discuss the issue of abortion? Uh, well, look, I think that every single one of them will uh, will in some way or another support limits on reproductive rights. Uh, 
They will, in some cases, I think, say things that are flatly untrue. I mean, I've seen Ron DeSantis say it, that uh, Democrats favor uh, the right to an abortion up to the moment the child is born or even right afterwards. <laughs> there is no one that I know of who supports that. Uh, and Roe v. Wade drew a very clear line unless there was a danger to the, to the life or health of the woman uh, uh, past uh, the point of viability, you couldn't have an abortion. But the, they're going to try and share. This is going to be the whole Republican tactic here. I don't think it's going to work. They tried it in Ohio in this referendum campaign and lost badly. They're going to say, well, this is really about stopping abortions in the eighth and ninth month. I think most people are too smart and understand that's not what's really at stake here. Look, it's a part of a larger problem that, yes, Trump has a big hold on his party, but his party, the, the controlling primary vote base in his party, is a smaller and smaller portion of America. Uh, it, it, you know, young people, for example, are increasingly alienated from the Republican Party. But on climate, guns, reproductive rights, you're going to hear tonight straight out of the right-wing hymnal. Uh, there's not going to be any deviation there. So, Richard, given what Bob has said, get ready for a lot of misinformation, disinformation, flat-out lies by these candidates. How does someone sitting at home that's not an insider, that's not a political junkie, that doesn't you know, uh, know the history, doesn't track these candidates in terms of what they have said before and how their statements today may be inconsistent, how does someone at home know what's true and not true, particularly if the moderators don't fact check or try to hold these candidates to uh, the truth during the questioning? Yeah, they don't. That don't they don't that <clears throat> that horse has left the barn a long time ago. Um, <laughs> I mean, we are in a a an, a series of parallel alternate realities that are reinforced by social. Uh, you know, uh, media algorithms. But I put the blame not on Fox News or on the Republican Party or on the Republican moderators. I put the blame on the Democratic Party. Um, for example, I, I meant to say what Bob says all the time, which is, and I tell people, I said, I am for a woman's right to choose, but I am not for abortion on demand until birth. No one, not one freaking Democrat that I know is in favor of that, just like we are not in favor of wide open borders. No one wants 50 million people from around the world streaming into San Diego or Texas or whatever. So the Democratic Party, and Bob, maybe you have an answer for this. Why are we not stronger in pushing back on this BS? I think you will see a lot of pushback on this as the campaign develops, as the argument over reproductive rights continues. Uh, but Democrats have basically, and I guess we have a slight disagreement here, have been winning the argument on reproductive rights. I mean, that's 2022, it was a huge driver of turnout. Uh, I mentioned the Ohio referendum. How about Kansas? We had 60% of people vote to protect a woman's right to choose in a very deeply red state, uh, cardinal red. Uh, so yeah, I think that's right. 
on the border, I don't actually understand why we're not making the case that actually the Biden administration has done a pretty good job there. I mean, Republicans stand up and say, well, there was more fentanyl seized at the border this year than there was in the last year of Trump. Well, that doesn't prove that law enforcement's not working. It proves that the enforcement is working. Uh, (laughs) The biggest reason I can think of why they don't want to talk about it or people are not talking about it as much is because they want to talk ultimately about the economy. Uh, They want to talk about reproductive rights. Uh, They want to... They want to talk about the bill. They want to talk about manufacturing coming back, about inflation coming down. So it's it's not that they don't fight back. It's that they think there's a kind of limited bandwidth of communication. And I suspect you agree with this, kind of a limited bandwidth of communication. And you can only get so many things through. And Richard, I, you know what, I, I, Richard, in the form, you know, in our tradition, I am going to push back on that because Vice President Kamala Harris has been all over this country all summer pushing back on extremist positions by Republicans. She has shown up at large conventions. She flew to Jacksonville, Florida, after the outrageous educational standards came out in Florida, suggesting that slaves somehow benefited from being slaves. They learned some kind of, you know, uh, skill, some kind of uh, crap. Uh, So she has been a vocal and very effective communicator on behalf of the Democratic Party fighting back against some of this extremism. So uh, maybe not on the issues uh, of immigration that you just identified, but on reproductive health, on uh, voting rights issues, on these culture wars, we have seen the vice president, you know, find her voice and use it in the most effective way. I got to add, we got to keep moving. I want to ask you this about again tonight, the the anti-woke. Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy have built their political identities on, uh, you know, opposing the so-called woke social policies around race and gender and the environment. But recent polling, uh, Bob, says that the GOP primary voters are over it. They're, they're like, they're so tired of the, you know, woke comes to Florida to die and the whole anti-woke, anti-woke. So how much do you think we're going to hear about Disney, Bud Light, and CRT tonight, particularly from DeSantis and Vivek Warmaswamy. I'm not, I, <laughs> I don't know that you're going to hear a lot about Bud Light, but you're going to hear about critical race theory. Uh, it's it's so woven into the warp and woof of the argument that DeSantis is making that I don't see how he avoids it. Even if you wanted to turn him right now, I think it'd be hard to do because he's gone out and said this hundreds of times. Look, at one point they had signs that said, make America Florida. And a lot of people said, we don't want to be Florida. Uh, They're in the business of banning books. I mean, and not just books that are arguably controversial, but books that are classics of American literature and that students should read. How about banning Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet? I mean, this is nuttiness. and I think you're right, by the way. I don't think the Republican electorate has a lot of interest in hearing about this. A slice of it does. The the, the evangelical, far-right, hardcore, and not all evangelicals fit that category, by the way, but those who do fit that category, they care desperately about this. 
But, you know, we've been going through this for a long time. Bathroom bills, which got a Republican governor in, in North Carolina defeated uh, because corporations and the, and, and the NCAA started saying, well, you're going to do that. We're not going to play games here. We're not going to invest here. We're not going to make movies here. Yeah. And, and to your point about the evangelicals, I read an article that said the pastors are having trouble with their MAGA parishioners who now tell them that the Beatitudes and other teachings of Christ in the Bible that have been you know, the foundation of their religion are now considered woke talking points. That's how insane this has gotten, where you can't teach the, the basic tenets of the New Testament without them being called woke talking points. When we come forward, Richard, we want to talk about the audience. That's another factor that will play into these debates. Uh, you know, who's in that audience? How loud are they? We know Trump's people are already trolling DeSantis. They've been doing it for days now leading up to the debates. Uh, stay with us. KBLA Talk 1580. Veteran political strategist Richard Green and Robert Trump are here helping us make sense of the debates that are happening right now in Milwaukee. Eight candidates that want to be the nominee for the, the Republican Party for the 2024 presidential election are sparring. They are making their case to the American public about why they should be uh, elected as president. And one of the wild cards tonight, Richard, is the audience. We saw in previous town halls that were on CNN, uh, for example, Trump benefited from a raucous crowd that was heavily stacked in his favor. So uh, tonight, I'm going to be looking to see who is in that audience. We know that lots of uh, local state and county Republicans get seats to these kinds of events. And many of these state and county Republicans support Donald Trump. So he won't be there for them to cheer him on. Do you expect to see them booing uh, folks like DeSantis? You know, how are they going to shift the energy in the room? Well, I think it depends on the moderator and how much control they're going to have over those kind of reactions in the audience. But I think this is where Vivek Ramaswamy is going to shine. He is so charismatic and so good at revving people up. And I think part of the reason he says provocative, outrageous things is he just loves getting a reaction. So I think that's going to be his bread and butter. I think the audience is going to love him. I think there's going to be a momentum that we're going to see building for one candidate over the other. Let me ask you this, and Richard. Do you think Chris Christie can take Vivek down. You know, Chris Christie's a former prosecutor, very experienced on this debate stage. He may be gunning for who now is like number three in some polls. Is Vivek yes. in match for Chris Christie? Yes, yes. But, but <laughs> Chris Christie is playing an away game and Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be a home team. And because he's going to be embracing all the Trumpsters there. And I think they're going to boo. I predict they're going to boo Chris Christie when he attacks someone who has been supporting and defending Donald Trump. And that'll be a fascinating dynamic to watch. What about ratings, Bob? Who's tuning in tonight? Uh, 2016 GOP debate on Fox, 24 million people tuned in. Are Trump supporters going to purposely avoid tonight's debate to send a message to Rupert Murdoch that Trump is, you know, Trump is, uh, you know, allegedly upset with the Murdochs, believe that they are 
uh, pumping up Ron DeSantis so that they can, quote unquote, move past Donald Trump. Obviously, that's not working with the voters. Uh, but some reports are that Donald Trump isn't there, one, because of what you said, Chris Christie, but also as a way of sending a message to the Fox News family that without me, your ratings will go to pot. Uh, and, there, and there won't be 24 million people watching tonight, I don't think. Uh, first of all, a lot of the Trump people are going to be paying attention to him being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, Chris Christie is certainly going to get booed. And I will predict that right after he gets booed, uh, especially if he's talking about Trump, he'll say, you may not like it, but that's the truth. And you don't want to live with it in a general election because you'll lose to Joe Biden. I mean, he's, he knows the choreography of this. And I would, I would be very surprised if he can't navigate this pretty well. The two best communicators so far have been Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, and I think that will probably be true tonight as well. You guys haven't said much about Tim Scott. Uh, Richard, Tim Scott, to me, is also a very smooth operator. He's a good communicator. He's very relatable. Uh, as you said, Bob, people love his backstory. I, I don't find, you know, that from the cotton field to Congress being very persuasive, the way he talks about, you know, merit versus acknowledging systemic racism in this country. But, Richard, what about Tim Scott? Do you expect him to have a good night? You read my mind. I literally was going to say, hey, there's him. So here's the dynamic. And I, I think Bob and I agree. Chris Christie's going to attack Vivek Ramaswamy. Why? Because they're the two alpha male, charismatic, great communicators on the stage. And uh, Chris Christie's going to get booed and Vivek is going to come back. He's going to have some very clever comeback lines. It's going to be really good theater. And, and Tim Scott's going to be sitting there being the Southern gentleman from South Carolina, who is incredibly likable, and he's going to look like the adult in the room. And I think, I think his numbers are going to go up. I think Ramaswamy's numbers are going to go up, and those are going to be the big gainers tonight. All right, Bob, you got to talk about the only woman on that stage tonight, Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley, uh, you know, has been in Trump's corner, served in his administration. Is she running for vice president or do you think she is really going to try to, you know, stand out tonight uh, with respect to her policies, uh, policy positions? Well, she's been in Trump's corner. She's been out of Trump's corner. She's been back in Trump's corner. She's been back out of Trump's corner. Uh, I think all of them at, at, at a certain level probably are, at least in the back of their heads, thinking about the possibility of being vice president. A little tough for DeSantis because he'd have to move out of Florida, because you can't have two candidates for president and vice president from the same state. And so he'd have to resign as governor and move out of the state, because I'm sure Trump is not going to move back to New York if he's the nominee. Uh, all of them, you know, someone once said that in the United States Senate, someone looks around, sees the other 99 people and says to himself or herself, you know, they all want to be president. Why not me? So I don't think most of these folks, when they decide to run for president, think they have a zero chance of winning. They may think it's a long shot, but it's a shot worth taking. So mm -hmm. tonight is their chance to take that shot. All right. We have not talked about our former vice president, Richard. Because he's so boring. Well, he's been, you know, all over the board himself, loyal to Donald Trump. 
And then all of a sudden he started making statements. Trump didn't declassify documents to his knowledge. Uh, there was no issue with the election. Joe Biden is a legitimate president. But then he flips and says, well, the American people should decide. I don't know, like the American people don't get to decide if you committed a crime that's, you know, reserved for a jury of your peers. So there's not a, you know, a vote of 330 million people to say if you're guilty or not. So that's kind of a stupid statement. But anyhow, Richard, what do you expect from Mike Pence tonight? Not much. Uh, again, I, I just, I just, listen, <clears throat> the Trump people hate him. The people who are not Trump supporters are not inspired by him. I think people are looking for some fresh blood. And that's why, again, I think Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be the winner here. And But I do think, I mean, Nikki Haley, if she was a better communicator, I think that would be really interesting, especially as a vice presidential possibility, you know, to have this woman of color going up against another woman of color. I mean, it makes the Republican Party almost look like a real normal party. Yeah, except on any given day, she really isn't leaning into being a woman of color, which is the problem with her and Tim Scott being both people of color. Uh, what do you think about Vice President Pence, Bob? I mean, he seemingly should be the heir apparent. He obviously is not. Does he go after Trump or does he, you know, support the guy that he was in office with? You mean the heir apparent to the guy who incited <laughs> a mob to try to hang yeah. Mike Pence? Well, I mean, the guy that incited a mob that's been impeached twice and indicted four times is still at yeah. the top of the ticket for these people. Right. And uh, I don't, you know, I, Mike Pence was an important choice for Trump in 2016 because he helped validate Trump to the evangelical base of the party, which otherwise might not have accepted him or at least would have had trouble accepting him. Trump doesn't need that anymore. And in fact, what you're going to see and I'm departing a little from your Pence question, is he's going to pick a vice president who will be absolutely loyal to him, who if it came down to throwing out the Electoral College vote, he's absolutely certain would do it. And most frightening of all, he will pick an entire administration of people who are, one word for it would be loyal, my word for it would be toadies. They'll mm. just do what they're told. There won't be any General Kellogg's. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I've told someone if Ron DeSantis somehow, you know, miraculously becomes the nominee, he's going to make the job of Democrats, Richard, very easy because Donald Trump will mm. burn the party down. He will burn Ron DeSantis or anyone other than himself that gets that nomination because he'd rather see the party burn to the ground than allow someone else to take the job that he believes he's entitled to, which is to be the nominee for the GOP. Well, we are out of time, just in time for folks to turn on their television, go to your smartphone and check out these debates. Uh, I am so grateful to Robert Shrum and Richard Green for helping us uh, you know, know what to look for and how to watch the debates tonight. We're going to be talking about these debates for a long time. So make sure you tune in.